This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Jim Sumner, President and CEO of the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Yusupik's Jim Sumner, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 480 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. In 1990, Jim Sumner was selected to lead the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council. Certainly, the industry has grown over the past three decades and faces increased pressure to provide affordable protein for consumers at home and around the world. Jim Sumner says avian influenza has proven to be most challenging for the poultry and egg industry this year. Domestically, the only thing being affected right now is our, to my knowledge, is our processed egg supply, which primarily goes into manufactured products uh, like uh, uh, food manufacturer, mayonnaise production, this type of thing. The the uh, processed egg industry has a lot of operations in the upper Midwest and may have been hit fairly hard with avian influenza. They have a lot of in-line operations with that are very large three, four, five, six million birds in an operation. So when you lose one of those, you lose a lot. And I know that was an issue back in 2015, 2016. Uh, the turkey industry, they're, they're taking a, they're struggling right now from a production standpoint. They have been hit hard with AI, especially uh, in Minnesota and South Dakota. Uh, but at the same time, they've been hit hard with uh, COVID with their employees, too. So their production was down anyway. And then you add on top of that the avian influenza, and, and it is impacting the turkey industry. The broiler industry uh, has not really been impacted domestically. Uh, most of the AI has been more towards the north, although it has come into the south somewhat in, in North Carolina. Uh, we had a infection of a pheasant farm in Texas, which shut down exports out of Texas to uh, Mexico, one of our primary markets for uh, a while. That's pretty much reopened now, but, uh, but what it has done is it's prevented most every chicken company in the U.S. has been exporting its paws, its chicken feet, to China. And uh, China, when it imposes a restriction, it's a statewide restriction. So the producers in those states where there have been shutdowns are losing that market, which, may I say, is a very lucrative market. And, in fact, with uh, more AI cases popping up, 
the market is becoming more and more lucrative as the available supply dwindles, which forces the price up in China because the Chinese love their paws and the U.S. is the primary supplier. What about the global perspective in terms of demand for poultry, uh, for eggs? Uh, clearly at one time we were talking a lot about a middle class that was growing and there were some hot spots in the globe that that was happening. But now we're talking about a global economy and we're fearing a global recession. How, how is, how is demand for the poultry industry in the U.S. uh, being affected around the world? Well, demand is strong, Jeff, but the supply is suffering globally. Of course, this AI problem that we're facing now started in Asia, then it spread to Europe, it's been in Africa, and it only hit the United States the end of last year, the first of this year. So we were hoping we were going to avoid it, but because... Europe is unable to supply, Asia is unable to supply, now of course we have the war in Ukraine, and Ukraine had a major producer of chicken, MHP, they're unable to export. Uh, It's a tight market out there globally for chicken right now, and I was just down in Cuba a couple of weeks ago, and Cuba is hurting, their pork production is the lowest I think it's ever been largely because of feed prices. They're needing to substitute chicken. Uh, it's their number one low-cost protein in Cuba. But their proposals on imports are so rigid with regard to avian influenza that their prices are going to skyrocket also. And I'm not sure the Cuban government's going to be able to afford to continue purchasing the volumes that they, they need. So it is it is really having a, an impact globally. It, it certainly is, Jeff. Take this from the global or the domestic perspective. Was 2015 the worst for avian influenza? And is this rivaling that, or where does this year stand compared to so many years ago? Well, yes, 2015-16, it was the worst. Now, the question is, are we going to top it this year? I certainly hope not. Uh, we would like to think that we are nearing the end of this year's episode. As spring comes, the birds fly north, the warmer weather is less conducive to the growth of the avian influenza virus. So we would like to think that the worst is over, but you know, nobody knows for sure. One thing is certain, though, is that the number of wild birds infected with avian influenza is dramatically up from where it was a year ago. I was with uh, one of our APHIS officials earlier this week, and he told me that back in 2015, they counted, I think he said, 332 wild bird detections in that year. Well, thus far this year, they've had 900 and some. So the comparison is is uh, dramatic. And it just means that all of our producers, our growers, and even people with backyard flocks, they need to put in place biosecurity practices like they've never put in before. It could get a lot worse before it gets better. How many states and how many birds 
either of chickens or of turkeys? Well, 29 states as of today have been affected. Now, I've I've not counted the birds. Uh, I'm not sure I can count that high. But mm. as far as bird numbers, I think the number of egg layers has been predominant. You have farms, like I said, with the three to six million, five million birds on a farm. Uh, you don't have turkey operations near that size, and it's not really been in the broiler operations yet, except a little bit in, in North Carolina. So uh, it's mainly hit the egg side and the turkey side of the industry. And we've had uh, about 150 total detections. About 100 of those were commercial, and about 50 of those were considered backyard non-commercial but sometimes these backyard non-commercial they get the same reaction from some of these foreign countries uh, as far as restrictions go as the commercial have we improved our biosecurity measures or are we still just vulnerable to the migratory bird situation that's a good question i think some areas have improved it more than others we've seen uh, a lot of recent detections especially in minnesota seems to be hit hard we're not sure why minnesota there's been also several incidents of recent in in north carolina there were a lot earlier in uh, south dakota so with minnesota and south dakota getting hard hit uh, that's where a lot of our turkey production is so that's that's taken a toll and then uh, the first detections were in indiana and uh, the, the companies in Indiana were primary suppliers to Mexico, so this has got our export numbers down quite a bit. And Mexico, of course, is our number one market, not only for turkeys, but for chicken and eggs. So Mexico is, is very critical, and our offices in Mexico City and in Monterey work very closely with the Mexican meat processors and the Mexican Department of Agriculture, Senesica, and working in conjunction with uh, our government, APHIS and FSIS, to try and get these restrictions minimized as quickly as we could, get that communicated properly so that it could end up being posted on the export library, which is pretty much the Bible for our industry, as to what's allowable and what's not. So uh, right now, things are much better with Mexico. Also, we have in place a rule that allows production from any state, regardless of the AI situation, to be shipped to Mexico if it's being used for thermal processing, if it's going to be cooked and put in processed meats, which is what a lot of our product going to Mexico is used for. Easter was affected, as I understand, especially with regard to eggs. Uh, with regard to turkeys, I know it's still a while before Thanksgiving, but are we in a situation that that, that season could fall victim to this for consumers? Well, we hope, I would guess, probably right about now they're starting production for Thanksgiving. Uh, these bird seven, eight, nine months of age to get to full size, so uh, hopefully we're going to have the worst of it over before that that happens. Jim, we have poultry integrators, and then we have their growers. 
So let's talk about the integrator for just a minute. Feed prices are higher. There's no secret about that. And there is obvious concern about the price of food and the consumer's ability to purchase. How are they faring through these times, not just with the supply demand, but also with the labor and, and other elements mixed in? Well, this, these last two years have been a real challenge, especially uh, finding plant workers. When minimum wages get as high as they do, when unemployment compensation and other payments by our government make it more attractive for workers to sit at home than it is to go to the plant, uh, it makes it difficult. A lot of our companies have really struggled. And I know there's been some criticism, uh, even out of Washington, for over-concentration in the meat and poultry industry. But, you know, this is a problem that Washington pretty much made itself, in my opinion. Uh, that and the COVID, uh, they, everyone should be thankful that we've been able to continue to put as much meat and poultry and eggs on the table as we have been able to these last two years. I mean, COVID has been bad enough, uh, wearing masks, uh, not being able to go to your office. But what if you couldn't put meat or chicken or turkey or eggs on your table? I mean, we would have had another Arab Spring here in the United States if our industry hadn't stepped up to the plate and taken exceptionary measures. Uh, uh, we should be thankful, not critical, of what we've been able to accomplish within our industries. The Ocean Shipping Reform Act, if that's approved, will that help? Oh, yes, it, it definitely will. And, you know, one of the main problems is some of the carriers are in such a hurry to get empty containers back to Asia to fill them up with supplies that they're not waiting to fill them up with our agriculture products. This this is a huge problem. And now on the West Coast, we're now that uh, the the backlog of ships is narrowing down, we've got labor problems on the West Coast. So that's just on top of that. But it's just one one problem after another. You get one problem resolved, and another one pops up. So uh, we are glad to see our government stepping in. Uh, they've helped some ports, such as Oakland, with some pop-up yards. We have a proposal in right now to help the port of Houston. We had a catastrophic situation in late February. We didn't think we were going to be able to ship any more poultry out of Houston because of its congestion and some requirements they had on chassis. So it seems to be moving in the right direction. We're trying to get federal funding for the Port of Houston. That should be very helpful. But it's it's been quite a year. Jim, I know USAPIC is not a lobbying organization, so I'm asking you from an educational standpoint, uh, a lot of agriculture groups are saying labor is their top issue. So with a blanket statement, what are the things that the poultry industry that you see are needed from Washington to to help you be more efficient and keep food on the table? Well, we, I think we, we need workers. Uh, some of those probably need to be immigrated from outside the U.S., to be able to fill the positions that sometimes our own uh, Americans uh, who have been grown and raised here 
don't want to fill those themselves. They're not always the most glamorous of positions, but they're essential positions. Uh, we, we need to be able to pay affordable wages and not extraordinary wages, but, uh, we, we just need good work environments. Uh, a lot of the problem with the ports and has been more of a transportation issue than, than anything. We don't have truckers available to operate the tractor trailers carrying the reefer containers to distribute the products, whether they're going to a port or they're going to a, a food distribution center. One of the provisions in that Shipping Reform Act would be to lower the age of uh, truck drivers to to expand that workforce. Uh, we just need to get everybody back to work. I know it's been glamorous for a lot of people to be able to work from home and telecommute and have all of their Zoom calls, but we really need to get America back to work, back in the office, back doing productive things. What's your observation of Cuba and what could uh, Cuba represent for the poultry industry in the U.S.? Well, it's not just the poultry industry, but Cuba represents a tremendous market opportunity of 11 million people 90 miles away from the United States that no other country could serve and fill as well as we can. It's a, it's a, it's a shame, in my opinion, that the Cuban people uh, are being punished. Uh, we met with the leadership of Cuba, the president, the minister of agriculture, the minister of foreign trade, uh, I still do not understand why our government uh, continues to keep this embargo in place. Uh, I do not think they are a threat to our government. I think if we would like to see their communist philosophies go, the best way to do that is to let them see what democracy works like with freedom, with freedom of travel, to allow our uh, consumers, our tourists, to go down there. This is going to put more pressure on them than anything. I don't think we're accomplishing anything by punishing the Cuban people. They desperately need our help, more so than ever before right now. Uh, they are very hungry for food down there, and we could establish two-way trade with Cuba that would be in everyone's best interest. Jim, in 1990, George Bush was in the White House. The Dow crossed 2,800 for the first time. Uh, Bill Gates had just introduced Windows 3.0, and uh, President Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev uh, spent a couple of days together uh, at a summit. That's also the time that you took the helm of the U.S. Poultry and Egg Export Council. A lot has changed from then until now. How do you reflect on your career with Usapeak, and what do you see that's ahead for the new lead and Greg Tyler and the the board? I like the way you put that, but you know what? Sometimes, uh, Jeff, timing is everything. Uh, being in the right place at the right time helped a lot, but but it has been amazing. I remember when I did start in 1990, uh, we were exporting about five to six percent of our chicken production. Uh, today, it's more like 18%, but, you know, the, there are so many factors involved. 
uh, one of the first markets we opened was was Russia. That was right after the breakup of the Soviet Union. You mentioned Gorbachev's name, and that provided us with a tremendous opportunity. And we built upon it, and that's what got most everyone in our industry for the first time involved in exporting. I remember one of the first meetings I went to with the National Chicken Council back then, the National Broiler Council, it was known back then. I remember one of the CEOs up on the stage saying, you know, uh, somebody asked him about exports, and he said, well, exports are okay, but uh, they're never going to be a major factor. Well, I think we have seen that change through the years, and I think it is a major factor when 18% of your production is going into exports. So, but the but the best thing about it all has just been the people that uh, I've been able to work with uh, in the industry, and and especially on our staff as well. But I, you know, I came from the dairy industry. I didn't think there would be anybody in the world better to work with in the dairy industry but you know the poultry industry uh is tremendous and i don't see how they could be topped and we have if there's one thing i've been able to do successfully through the years i think it's probably been able to hire good people greg tyler is a good example of that and several of our staff who have been with us for 30 years and overseas some of them been with us for 40 years but it's a tremendous team effort we all work together we don't pay attention to when five o'clock comes or six o'clock comes or sometimes even when 11 o'clock or midnight comes you know we have an office that's operating 24 7 around the world somewhere and it's part of our lives when we Go to work at Usapeak, uh, we pretty much commit ourselves, and everyone on our team has done that, and that's what's made it such a joy. I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna miss more than anything else, is just the wonderful people that I've gotten to work with all through these years. Uh, they're, they're tremendous, they're dedicated, and you know, even though all of the people in our industry are competitors with each other. They all pull for the industry as a whole. And I'm not just talking the chicken side, but the same with the egg industry and the same with the turkey industry. They're in it for keeps. They're in it for the betterment of their industry. And I've just been really proud to be associated with them for 32 years. Well, Jim Sumner, we want to thank you for your dedication to agriculture and certainly the poultry and uh, egg industry. Because of your efforts, uh, U.S. agriculture has grown. You've created opportunity for growers, for integrators, and certainly for jobs at uh, at uh, countless packing plants and for those who help to get that product to plates in the U.S. and around the world. Thank you for your service. This is Open Mike, and Jim, you've been here before, and you know today you get the last word. It's just been a pleasure working with everyone. Uh, AgriPulse has been super to work with you. Bill Thompson uh, does an amazing job uh, keeping track of all of the issues, but uh, you guys provide a tremendous service for the agriculture industry and Sarah and all the people that you work with, and it's all about communication. My my degree's in journalism. I've always pushed 
good communication, and I think that makes the difference between an effective organization and an ineffective organization and an industry. So it's just been it's been a great been a great ride. Thank you. Our thanks to Jim Sumner, President and CEO of the USA Poultry and Egg Export Council, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.